Welcome to the We Are Next podcast, advice and insight from all over the advertising industry to help you navigate your career with confidence. I'm Natalie Kim. And I'm Pam Fujimoto, Executive Creative Director of Wong Duty LA. And thanks for listening. Hi, everybody. It's here. I'm beyond, beyond excited to welcome you to episode one of the We Are Next podcast with our guest, Pam Fujimoto, Executive Creative Director at Wong Duty. When I started We Are Next back in November of 2016, I knew I wanted to make podcasting part of what we create for students and junior talent going into advertising and marketing, media, design, those types of industries. It took a little longer than expected, and there are certainly things that will probably be tweaked along the way. But like so many things in life, sometimes you just have to take a deep breath and start. My guest Pam started her career at Wong Duty Seattle and has a really great story of how that came about. And she spent the last few years helping to lead and grow the Los Angeles office. I think the most telling thing about our conversation was when I asked her how she continues to improve herself as a creative. And her answer was doing this podcast. Even after 18 years, she continues to push herself to create opportunities to do gratifying work, not only for herself, but for her team, and to learn from each group of long turns that comes to the door. I so enjoyed our conversation. There's a ton of good stuff in here, so I'll stop talking. Let's get started. So we're here at the Wong Duty LA offices in Culver City, and I've been so looking forward to this conversation with you. Um, We connected, I think I cold emailed you or maybe through LinkedIn I think so yeah and you were nice enough to write me back and say yeah sure come on in well it's a really great thing that you're doing so I'm always happy to contribute yeah and then after once I was doing my research I um and I think you mentioned your interview podcast interview with the drum which I listened to and there were just all sorts of wonderful nuggets and so I'm, I'm excited to sort of build on that conversation specific for you know students in our audience great cool so I wanted to start with um, how you got started in advertising. Um, For those people who didn't hear the drum interview, because I think that there are so many really awesome nuggets to take away from it. Oh gosh, it's a long story, but um, (laughs) so you know, I work at Wong Duty, which is owned by um, Tracy. Was started by Tracy Wong and Pat Duty. That's why this weird, funny name. Those are actual names of (laughs) people, human beings, real people. Um, And Tracy Wong, my boss, uh, he's a chairman and executive creative director of the Seattle office, um, but you know, he's, I think this agency has now been around for 24 years, mm-hmm. so um, I met him 21, 22 years ago, yeah. um, and he was, you know, he was like my role model, I, he, he was super well known in advertising, still is, um, but especially at that time when Wong Duty had just started and was super hot agency right. and I wanted to show my book to him and I managed somehow even though a lot of people were managed were wanting to get in to see Tracy I managed somehow to get in to see him I was at University of Washington that at that time I showed my book I'm not sure if I totally realized at that point the quality of my book <laughs> I actually I thought my book was fairly good yeah. I have to say which is not it's just embarrassing to say now um, and I and so showing my book at that time very very mediocre um, our art director <laughs> book uh, and you know certainly not something that 
I would recommend showing to somebody at <laughs> Tracy's level now. But um, but thankfully he was he he you know was actually really really thoughtful mm-hmm. in his in how he reviewed the work and and gave me advice about it right. and that was really helpful because he he could have easily said oh, great work yeah. keep doing Thanks. what you're doing yeah. you know and then just get this girl right. out of my office right um but he was he, he was really honest and he was really direct which he's always has been and which i've certainly picked that up from mm-hmm. him and i think is the most helpful thing that you can be um, but he wasn't discouraging at the right. same time so you know i mean he told me i think at that time that well you know you could probably get a job in advertising with this book uh, it's probably not the job that you want, um, but you know you can probably get a job and maybe work your way up right. to the job you want right. at some point, maybe. Right. Or you can go to portfolio school and like fully commit yourself to getting this book to be great, and again get a great job coming mm-hmm. out of school. And he suggested Art Center, which I'd already been looking at Art Center because I knew he went to Art Center. Um, also at the time, especially, it was one of the only um, really great schools out there right. for. Our directors to be um, so I, I did and then I, I managed to meet with him again when I was in my last term of Art Center and I showed him my student book which was you know almost ready to be seen kind of a thing and he I mean he, he, it was like a completely different conversation <laughs> thank God um, he told me that it was like one of the best books that he had ever seen yeah. as his best student books he had ever seen and so that was that was great to hear, and then I also then managed to get my first job out of school from him mm-hmm. at Wong Duty in Seattle. So that all happened well, but it could have gone the opposite way, right. really. I, you know, he, there were a lot of things that that he could have told me that would have either made me quit and not do this anymore, yeah. or um, have had a sort of sense of false hope, and right. so. Um, magically was able to give me hope but be real about right. it uh, and and you know I, I really thank him for giving me sort of that encouragement right. um, and realistic advice I think paired with it right so, that's it amazing helpful. that like you know when one person can you know see something in you despite you know what you're putting in front of them and see the potential and kind of unlock you know, through their saying no, unlock, you know, what really like led you to the career that you have now. I mean, I I think of all the times that I'm sure everyone plus me like has heard no in the past, like whether you just like didn't land that job or like the recruiter's like, no, they're going to pass on you. And and just thinking about like how throughout, you know, your career, it's actually the no's that kind of push you towards, you know, what you're meant to be. be or being better, yeah. you know, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's never helpful to not be honest with mm-hmm. somebody, but I think it's how you give them that feedback yeah. that is is how that then ends up being something helpful, mm-hmm. so. So what if um, a student came to you, put yourself into like Tracy's shoes now, if a student came to you with the first book that you brought to him and, you know, um, they basically said, I, I'm not in a position to be able to go to grad school, as so many people aren't, um, what would you tell that student to do to work on their book? Well, first of all, I, I'm the last person to say that just going to portfolio school like automatically right. guarantees you success <laughs> right, right. because I also see a lot of people go to portfolio school and they just like just piss it away right, like right. they just think that going there is that like automatic alone stamp. Yeah. is enough right. you know and 
like any situation, it's what you make out of it. Mm-hmm. It's what you do it do with it. It's what you put into it that mm-hmm. determines what you get out of it. Right. And so, yeah, I think that you definitely, I've seen a lot of people that haven't gone to these schools, like, really be able to make it. But the thing that they all have in common mm-hmm. is that they're very, very self-driven, um, that they make the most out of every opportunity they have. Mm-hmm. So let's say you don't have that perfect book yet, you're able to score an internship someplace because, you know, you've shown that passion, you show what you, you've shown what you've been able to do maybe with your sort of not non-advertising program, but yeah. you're able to sort of cobble together, or you've taken a class at bookshop or someplace mm-hmm. that isn't maybe the full commitment, right. but is enough so that you can a little, at least sort of sample an environment where there's a little bit more structure around an advertising education, right. you know? But they're much more self-motivated um, than the average person in that situation, right. uh, almost entrepreneur-like, you know? Right. And they really have to just go at every opportunity. I mean, anyone does, honestly. This is not an easy profession to do well in. So I think this is not just advice for people that don't go to a school. Right. But um, you just you have to go into everything like your life depends on it. Don't waste any moment of that internship, even if what you're being given straight out of the gate is, is not something that really is able to yet fully showcase right. your creativity because right. every impression is an important one right. that you make. I think that thing about being self-driven, so much of it is no matter what you can get your hands on, whether it's in an internship or with school or outside of school on your own, it's that proactiveness like says so much that you just like went out and, and found opportunities, like you said, to to create something. You know, it, I'm not saying yeah. that the quality of whatever you make doesn't matter, but like I think it just it speaks like so loudly. It about does, someone. and and um, honestly, if I ha- if I see somebody that doesn't have the portfolio school training and is able to prove to me how much they've done on their own to yep. be able to make up for that, that person stands above someone that's gone to portfolio school and has the same book. Right. Because I know that there's qualities, especially if they can tell me some you know examples or personal stories around what where they've how they've gotten to where they are. Because mm-hmm. that's very interesting to me because I understand what the classes are that you take and the support you're given when right. you're going through a regular school. But when you don't have that, you then all of a sudden become much more valuable to mm-hmm. me in terms of all of those other traits that right. then will make you a successful employee right. too. All the intangible things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because there's a lot of good books out there. Right. And right. there's a lot of okay books out there, but even within the good books, there's a lot. I mean, it's who's behind those books mm-hmm. that that that's you're hiring a person, not a book. Right. Oh, I love that. <laughs> when you're able to, like you said, have the person explain the journey of it. So I think people go into maybe these interviews thinking, oh, they want me. They want to see that I have like all this experience already, and it's not necessarily true. It's like, can you talk about what you have, you know, been able to? To get experience in, you know, however limited that might be, because like that process of it again, like just says so much about you know your drive and like your want to be in this industry. Yeah, I mean, you know, when I said it helps to kind of have an entrepreneurial mindset, and the good thing is that I think more and more people do yeah. now coming out of school yeah. or coming out of high school even. Okay. Um, so I don't have as much of a problem with that anymore. That that's more common. Right. Um, but I think it's 
if you're able to prove that you're a self-starter and you'll do what it takes to get something done, that you're curious about things and not mm-hmm. just curious, but make something out of that curiosity, right. that doesn't have to be, I've worked at an advertising agency for right. a year and a half, right, or whatever, right? right? Those things are often more interesting too. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, I think, still have to prove that, that you have sort of the skill set, the mindset, the drive, right. and the discipline to do things in an, right. in an environment that demands right. you know, <laughs> certain timelines and deliverables and all that kind of stuff. So. Right. So something that I've been thinking a lot about recently is how, because we talk a lot about in an interview or in your resume, like really being able to show like who you are, what your strengths are, like kind of that self-awareness. And I'm wondering how students can better start to like self-identify some of those things earlier on. Because I think it's something that comes, you know, you start working, you kind of feel out what your style is and, and all that stuff. Can you talk about like your own process about building that self-awareness around you as, as a creative, as you know, someone in advertising, and how maybe and we can brainstorm this, like how students can start to like be in tune with those things and pull mm. them out a little earlier when they're in school. Because I think it is a challenge when we tell people, hey, like be yourself and show who you are. And students yeah. are kind of like, well, <laughs> I don't, I don't know, <laughs> I'm still right? like half formed, so you know. That's a hard question for me to answer. I think it's okay to not have that fully formed. Mm-hmm. When you're at that stage, I don't think I have that fully formed now, you know? I mean, I think that it's good to have have some sort of perspective on yourself and know maybe where you need to work on things Mm -hmm. and to ask for feedback Mm -hmm. from people. Um, And to know you're not good at all things equally, I think, is good too. But, like, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I guess I encourage people to be sort of constantly reevaluating that because mm-hmm. I think it changes and yeah. I think it's it's too limiting kind of to try and lock that down like this is my brand these are the, this is what I'm about right and uh, when you haven't first of all worked in the industry yet you know I mean I realize that you have to still position yourself somehow sure. in going into an interview right. um, yeah it's almost so, like yeah like how do you like I don't want to just say like differentiate yourself because yeah, you want to no, like stand I, it's, out it's true but, yeah like, yeah. But not fully commit to some right. pathway of identity that you right. are subscribing to for the next 20 years, right. which I realize isn't what you're saying. Right. How do you stand out? How do you know what you have to offer, sure. I guess? Yeah. I, I think it does help to get input from other people, mm-hmm. too, from your, from your teachers. If you do an internship, yeah. whether they are offering that or not, to continually be asking for feedback around what, you know, where your sort of strengths and weaknesses yeah. are. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a low-pressure environment to do that in, right. you know, because you're not like a hired employee yet. It's supposed, you're supposed to be there as mm-hmm. part of a learning opportunity. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that, that helps. Right. But yeah. I think it's also really personal to everybody. So. I, I think so, too. I, I always think about when you start an internship, um, and we wrote about this recently in the emails, like keeping track of the things that you're doing and not just like, oh, here's what I did, but like, how did you feel about that? Or what was your level of enjoyment of doing it? And that sounds yeah. kind of like touchy-feely a little bit, but I think it is like, it helps build that awareness. I think when we, you start, obviously yeah. you want to be open to like everything you're given. You're not, I'm not saying people should be like, no, I don't do that kind of thing. But even, I mean, we naturally gravitate towards certain parts of our job and, you know, some people love doing one part and you I know, really that. don't like the other part. And I think that's okay. I love, no, I love what you just said because I think a level of sort of 
constant, continuous self-awareness and being able to evaluate not just what's happening, but maybe how you feel about those things. Because all of those things are are hopefully starting to then bubble up into what you want to do or Mm -hmm. what your perspective is or what the best version of your job is going to be. And I don't think I did that enough, really, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. when I was coming up and right. stuff. I just, I wasn't doing, I wasn't having that level of, like, checking myself against right. the different things that were happening. I just wanted to be like, what do I need to do to succeed right, in this job, right, you right. know? And I assumed it was kind of the same for everybody. But, but yeah, I think that's, that's, a, that's something that people could benefit from, right. students could benefit from, right. especially as they're learning. It's a hard balance, too, because it's it's like you want to push yourself. Like, I know for me, when I was coming up as a strategist, like, I really, I mean, I still don't love, like, doing, like, man-on-the-street interviews or, like, interrupting people, yeah. like, you know, like, and it wasn't natural to, like, my personality, but at the time, I just, like... I like beat myself up so much about it because I just really didn't enjoy doing it, but it was yeah. like I had to do as an intern yeah. or whatever. And you know, I got through it. And I, I think it's important again to like push yourself. But like looking back on it, I'm like, wow, like yeah, like if I understand who I am as a person, it makes sense. Like why? Like yeah. I love like going up to strangers and being like, hey, what do you think about this brand? You know? I I mean, I can see both sides of it honestly because yeah. I'm an introvert for sure, uh, and it doesn't really that's not a great care a great quality a lot of the time for. I mean, creatives in general, a lot of them are, but especially being an executive creative director, right. that you don't really think of that as being like the number, the number one, one quality <laughs> to have. Um, right. But on the other hand, I think I, I, I give a different perspective sure. than another type of ECD would, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to mentoring my creatives, of which yeah. a lot of them are introverts too, yeah. um, but also showing them that like the man on the street interview thing I have to do things that that are against my yeah. nature right. all day long. Right. Like this podcast interview right now <laughs> is against my nature, you know? Yeah. So I think those kinds of things are important to yeah. also try out and make yourself yeah. do. Right. Only because not all of those things that maybe define you as you sort of naturally are right. and that are hard for you are necessarily like off-limits sure. for you right and so that's the other thing about like maybe not making sure that you're trying to define yourself right. too early because Stay that a bit more flexible made, with, yeah. have made me just be like a little mole in the corner right. of an agency <laughs> for the last 20 years right so. right um so when we think about like getting a job at an agency there are a lot of things that are outside your control you know like whether they're even hiring or just like whether you're the right fit yeah um what are some things that are in your control when when it comes to being a candidate? Well, I mean, I think that your reputation precedes you, first of all. So if you've had any interactions with anyone in advertising before that point, (laughs) which you potentially would because hopefully you've talked to some other people at some point or sent an email or had an internship Mm -hmm. or something, then you've got to make sure that you you are are not burning those bridges, that you're always presenting yourself in in the best light possible. don't think that because this internship is over that you've disappeared from right. you know just the advertising industry's <laughs> memory which is quite long and right. everybody talks to each other so i think that's one thing you can control you know every interaction you have should be professional and it's it's a way to impress people yeah. so um yeah i don't i think that people don't realize that enough yeah at my uh, last agency, like they used to take notes on how um, 
the candidate like interacted with the receptionist so they would always ask the receptionist like oh what did you think of That's this person good. because you know like how you treat the first person in the door like matters you know so um i totally agree with with what you said and the industry i think is so much smaller than people realize like it feels like this big thing but like once you've worked at a couple agencies it's like by it's like the ripple effect. You just like, yeah. no, this person, mm, oh, yeah. And you can play that game of like, oh, wait, you worked with that? I mean, you don't want to be forgettable either. Yeah. You don't want to be memorable in a bad <laughs> in way. In a bad way. Right. <laughs> Say that. I think that's good advice. How about something that you wish you'd known when you were just starting out? I don't think I appreciated it enough, like, how much this was about the long game mm-hmm. and how much resilience had to do with doing well at this job. Like, yeah. don't give up after the second round when your stuff was all killed. Yeah. <laughs> Don't give up when the clients come back with yeah. like the seventh round of revisions. Right. <laughs> and that it's because every time if you were to give up, you would be out of this job, this whole profession, like in the third month that you're in this industry. But mm-hmm. it also doesn't have to be like such a heart-wrenching situation every time to have perspective on it and to, to understand that this is not just, you know, this is not just this this one sort of match. This is this entire this this is this is a whole career yeah. and this is a this is a, a long game of, of hopefully a lot of both successes and failures right. and right. that it's just good to have perspective, right. I think. You get like so wrapped up and in the weeds of like a very specific problem with a very specific client and you're like spinning down this rabbit hole and then when you can just kind of step back and be like okay, wait, <laughs> like, not only is this one thing, like, a very small thing within the relationship that we have with this client, but even more, like, in the context of just the industry overall. Like, and of your life, And your life, yeah. You know? I mean, it's hard, it's easy to say now, because yeah. we're not in that moment, We're not right in the moment. In a specific situation, <laughs> right? Right. And I love to give this advice to people, right. but I'm not saying that I follow it all the time, yeah. and that I don't lose that perspective on a daily basis, you right. know, from one moment to another, but uh, but it's still good advice to, yeah. to to have, and I think that I've obviously followed it to some degree at least, because mm-hmm. otherwise I wouldn't be doing this for this long, so, yeah. and enjoying it right. actually too. So right. On a related note, like I wanted to ask you where you find the meaning in your job and the work that you do here. I think it's a question that's related that just that comes up a lot for people mm-hmm. and we don't often talk about it, but you know, you can really enjoy and love advertising and what you do. That doesn't necessarily mean like that you feel all the time like, wow, I'm doing something super meaningful. You yeah, know, like I mean, how do you questions. feel gratified though, right? right? Because I mean if you really are into just doing something that is gonna make a direct impact in the world in in in, in a real way, yeah. Advertising is not the profession right. for you. Like right. you should choose something else right. if that's really what you wanna do right. entirely. But I that doesn't mean to say that advertising can't be like completely gratifying. I totally. think there's a couple different ways that it is for me. I mean, yeah. one way is that I love being able to grow talent mm-hmm. and make other people better through sort of helping them get past those barriers yeah. and identifying their goals with them and helping them develop strategies to meet those. And a lot of things that I, I think that I can help them grow as both creatives and as mm-hmm. people, people hopefully too, because yeah. it's all kind of related, yep. life strategies and work strategies. Right. Um, that's gratifying to me. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, you know, I mean, the one thing that I've always tried to do, and we're definitely trying to do here all the time, is 
do um, sort of side initiatives around things that we believe in. Mm -hmm. So we're doing a campaign right now with Moms Rising, which is called I Pump Tear, and it's about giving um, women in the workplace better pumping sort of environments right. for, their, for pumping their breast milk, right? right? And so working moms. Um, that's something that, that we believe strongly in mm -hmm. at Long Duty, and we have like we just did a whole makeover of our pumping room, and it looks all awesome and everything, and, nice. yeah. um, you know, we, we give our working moms, like, fantastic benefits and yeah. all that, but that's something that we can do not just within the walls of this place, sure. because I do think it's important to walk the walk and actually do that for your own employees, right. but, but how can we also take that belief and, and push it out to the world so that more workplaces will be aware that they may not be meeting even minimum standards for mm -hmm. what they need to provide for their working new moms. Right. Um, and so, I mean, that and then we've done a few other, a lot of times they're, they're sort of female-related um, mm -hmm. um, women in the workplace issues that we, we try and partner with pro bono mm -hmm. um, or nonprofits right. to, to push out. But and I find that really gratifying because yeah. that's something that, wow, you know, you can use your, like Tracy Wong likes to say, we like to use our superpowers for good. Right. And, you know, it's, it, there is a power in advertising, mm -hmm. but um, we, can, we can choose to do, you know, on our own time, um, put, put those sort of talents and thinking towards things that we believe in. That's great that it's been made like a priority. It's not easy for every agent and an agency to like set aside the time and resources oh, yeah. to be like, okay, we're going to do some pro bono work. As much as an agency might want to to do that, you know what I mean? Well, it's, it's creatively like, satisfying for us too. Yeah. I mean, there's a side satisfying. I mean, that's gratifying too, right? Right. We don't. We, we also won't do like those initiatives if we also if we don't like what we're doing creatively for them, and right. so all of that is all sort of gratifying in different it's ways. So. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I, I totally agree. I mean, not agree, but I, I relate to your, you know, first answer about growing talent. Like I, I, the meaning question is like kind of personal for me because it's something that came up like in the first, I don't know, like half of my career, like no matter what agency I was at, which was only a couple, but I, I, no matter how awesome it was and how much I loved like my team and, and my job, it just like, especially when things got, you know, like extra frustrating and I wasn't able to pull myself out yeah. and I could have used your advice then, I, I would question, I'd be like, is this like a sustainable industry for me to work in? And like, and, and I think um, it wasn't until I got to, to First Born, my last agency, and I was put in a position where I was able to start growing and mentoring. It, I mean, it wasn't even something I could identify myself to like predict like, oh, that's the thing that's going to make me stop asking the question yeah. and like, just kind of like settle in. Um, so I know, I know that for me, that was the only time that I like finally was like, okay, I understand like my purpose in this industry. Yeah. And what you it. have to uniquely bring to it right, too. Right. That maybe somebody else wouldn't be as interested in, in doing that. You know? Right. Right. Something that I've heard you talk about in the past is this idea of continuous improvement. And we touched about it on it really briefly at the beginning. So how do you personally continually improve as a creative? There's a lot of things that I'm continuously improving myself on. I mean, one thing I mentioned earlier is that I do try and put myself into things, into positions and situations that are challenging mm -hmm. for me mm -hmm. and not comfortable because yeah. I'm never going to get better at public speaking right. or, you know, any of those kinds of things if I don't continually say yes to people who ask you to be <laughs> on their podcast. So, um, you know, that's, a, that's yeah. you're part of my continuous improvement <laughs> repertoire. Um <laughs> I 
I also, um, you know, I'll go to conferences that aren't necessarily ad conferences mm-hmm. too. Like I go to, like I just went to the PSFK conference, which is not really a, a yeah. creative person's conference. Right. It's more it's like an innovation. Yeah, or... innovation or trends or there are a lot of strategists there, but I don't think you see a lot of creatives at that conference. Yep. And it's interesting to me because it's like slightly outside my kind of swim yep. lane, and um, it's 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 inspiring, but in a sort of tangent kind mm-hmm. of way. I mean, the other things I'm doing, I just like make, I'm still making stuff all the time, but not necessarily always for our client or client mm-hmm. projects. So yeah. I'm making content for our long duty social sometimes for our Instagram. Yeah. Um, I was, just did a stop motion video that I watched Winda.com to like figure out how to use the timeline <laughs> section of my Photoshop because I've been gradually trying to like figure out how to use that part, yeah. which I have not had a lot of experience on. So I, I mean, I, I am constantly trying to learn new skills and that's actually kind of hard on an art director level when you're an executive creative director because that's not something that you're tasked with on a daily basis and that can go away pretty easily if you're not doing it and so I do try and do things that will help me still make things even Mm -hmm. though I'm like 10 times slower than anybody here (laughs) so (laughs) but yeah I mean, um, especially as a creative, I think, like, I loved your point about, you know, whether it's a conference or just some activity that is slightly out, seems slightly disconnected um, from, like, directly what we do in advertising or Mm -hmm. as an art director, because I think you never know, like, what it will spark or, like, what, I had a friend who took, like, um, a calligraphy class, like, a traditional calligraphy class, like, long time ago and she's she's a graphic designer and so it's maybe a little bit more connected but she says she's like she uses it around the agency in like hmm. the most random occasions like yeah. she, even just as like a skill to like yeah. bring to the agency it's a good like, sort of party skill yeah, exactly exactly and so um I just think yeah like I, it's all I mean the, that's one of the wonderful things about advertising in general I mean outside of just being you know creative or any like even as a strategist like just the amount of stuff that you can absorb that is additive to what you do here even if it's not directly related to the brief you're trying to solve today. Yeah. Know? Oh, that's all what it's about, yeah. Because yeah. the last thing I need to do is in my sort of downtime is read more about more advertising. Piece, yeah. But I do read a lot, too. I mean, I must. I read, like, basically everything the New York Times writes, and I read fiction, too. And yeah. I'm, I, I just read a lot of stuff. Yeah. And so that can be a rabbit hole that takes yeah. you down all kinds of paths, but it's not normally related to what I'm doing right. on a daily basis. <laughs> right. right. Um, okay, let's talk about the internship program here, um, how would you describe your long duty interns and the value that they really bring to the agency? They're a huge part of our culture and the work that we do here. Uh, I mean, I, I consider them one of the most valuable parts of what we have going on here at Long Duty. Uh, we have interns, we, well, we always have creative interns, and then we sometimes will have strategists and mm-hmm. account interns too. And so during the summer, we'll have sort of more of a robust staff of interns but we always have a bunch of creative interns all year round Mm -hmm. Um, and they you know they sit right in the middle of our creative department (laughs) they have the intern table so they they can't they can't escape they know where they are can't hide Um, but they're but we're they're there purposely for a reason too you know Mm -hmm. we want them to sort of hear and be part of all the random conversations and be easily accessible to everyone and for them to be able to easily go to anybody for help and feedback and whatever and they are working on actual projects that we have that's you know what we always guarantee interns that they'll come in and 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 work on real stuff mm-hmm. um, and they and part of their assignment though 50% of it 
at times is to be generating content for the long term, we call them long terms at Wong Duty, right? The long term blog, their Instagram, and their Twitter too. And so that part of, of their kind of job is, is, we call it like thought leadership from the intern perspective, mm-hmm. from the intern level. Because we will also publish things on the Long Diddy blog or, you know, do press interviews and things like that. But it's usually from a different perspective, and that's what there is a lot out there, right? There's a lot of people that have been doing this for 10, 15, 20, 30 years, and they get interviewed a lot on stuff. But I think it's really useful, and it would have been helpful for me when I was an intern or in school (laughs) to hear what what an intern's perspective is yeah. when they're doing this for the first time, what they're learning, what mistakes they've made. Yeah. And, you know, we encourage them to be really transparent and truth tellers mm-hmm. in this form because uh, I think, first of all, we learn from it too because having that perspective helps folks that have been doing this for a long time. Right. Um, and it's, I just, I also find it inspiring because there's things that they get excited about that. I want to be able to get excited about too, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, it, it's been great from both sides. It's been great for us because, you know, they give a different perspective, a different set of skill sets sometimes, and this energy that I think is great to have continuously sort of refreshed every yeah. every quarter yeah. here. Um, but also, you know, I, I think that we offer our interns a, a unique kind of learning experience here. Mm-hmm. And we... We, we hold them to it. Like, they, they've got to deliver just yeah. like any junior creative would. I have to get in touch with you to get one of the long turns to, like, contribute to, like, a guest email or something. It well, sounds like they'd be a great, like, resource. And we've hired several of them, too. So yeah. I forgot to mention that. That's yeah. obviously a great resource <laughs> for us because right. it's hard sometimes to, to hire um, a straight-out-of-school person right. who you haven't had any working experience right. with. Um, but it's great when they're able to prove themselves here as an intern, and because we're putting them on real projects, we can see they can do it, right. and they're doing great at it, right. you know? And so it's, it's a real no-risk situation to right. take them on as a full-time employee, and, we, and you know, some of our best creatives came in that way. And they're already, like, integrated with the team, and like, oh, they yeah. know what's going on. Yeah, yeah, it's perfect. Wong Duty launched the Your Women in Advertising uh, scholarship in 2015, so supporting you know, female creatives who are just starting out. I wanted to talk a little bit about maybe like one common challenge that females in advertising specifically face and then what, you know, a solve might be for, you know, overcoming that challenge. I mean, one thing is just that there's a lack of female role models and leadership in the industry in the first place. So with that comes, you know, lack of, can I see myself there from the sort of younger females perspective, but also a lack of a certain sort of, I guess, values being put into place in actual agencies Mm -hmm. on a daily basis so that, you know, that it does create a sort of culture where um, females feel like they can sort of rise to that position. So, I mean, the, the thing is, is that, I guess no one can go in, whether you're female or otherwise, go into a situation and not feel like they have a right to be there and to to assume that that that's that you have every right to be able to give your opinion to to you know to that you're valued in the room, um, and because I, I don't think it helps sometimes when females come in kind of already feeling undermined in yeah. that situation, yeah. you know. Uh, no one needs to come in as as the victim, right? You know? Right. Even if 
you may feel that way. Right. That that can never be kind of how you approach sure. any interaction or any job opportunity. So, right. That you have full permission to and right to be there in the room and at the table and in that position. Yeah, and I think that doesn't only go for females, really. I think mm-hmm. it for anybody that maybe doesn't fit the mold in some way that feels like an outsider. Mm-hmm. You know, that you could and maybe that you've lived your whole life that way in one way or the other that you could come in with that perspective but I think it's just not helpful it's it's it is helpful that you do have a different perspective sure don't get me wrong I mean that's the most useful thing about it really but to feel like you have a right to be there and that your opinion is valued and that you should be you know offering up everything you have to offer right and knowing that it is that different differentiated perspective that can like I mean empower you to be in the room and a voice and all that stuff because without it, I mean, our industries. But that's what advertising needs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right, we always end with uh, the same question, which is, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? And it doesn't have to be advertising related. It could be just life, life advice. I think there's a good sort of sound bite from Tracy Wong, really, for this one. He, okay. he likes to say, don't squeeze the hamster. <laughs> Which sounds bad, kind of, but um, what he means by that is like, don't love your idea so much it dies. Mm-hmm. Basically, like, don't don't hold your idea so tight with your ego and yourself okay. that you're not giving it any air, any perspective, any place for it to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think you know, as as creatives and as maybe young folks coming into the industry, it's easy to kind of like think that. Well, like if I can just like keep if I can just keep this idea exactly as it is right. when it was born from my mind, it will it will be the best version of itself. Yeah. But but it takes a certain level of confidence and openness and flexibility in how you approach you know a, a concept to to let in other perspectives and share that ownership with other people mm-hmm. as well and know that that can be a better thing for the life of an idea. So I think. That sometimes takes time, and it sometimes will work against people's kind of tendencies, right? Um, that's not to say that you shouldn't know what makes your idea great, and to have sort of have a, a conviction, yeah, about about sort of where that that still comes from. Mm-hmm. But you, to, but to not sort of listen to other perspectives and to sort of allow for input to mm-hmm. to help it become better, right. I think, is a mistake. I love that. I'm just like, as you're talking, all I can think of is the visual of a little hamster's like eyes bulging because <laughs> yeah, you're like that, squeezing. That's exactly. See, it's very visual. It's very visual that. I'll remember that one for sure. Um, <laughs> that piece of advice. Yeah, definitely. Well, Pam, thank you so much. This has been so much fun. This um, has been fun for me too. Yeah. Where can um, people keep up with you or Wong Duty um, online? Um, so, I mean, I have my. Twitter um, at Pam Fujimoto, and that's the same as my Instagram. Um, and then Wong Duties is at Wong Duty, and then at Wong Turns for our yep. Wong Turn um, Instagram and also Twitter. Uh, it will be a great resource for people to, yeah. to follow. I think the Wong Turn. I would love. Accounts. Yeah, I think they need more followers too. So <laughs> let's get some more <laughs> follower acquisition. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you again. Thank you. A huge thank you to Pam, who after that interview is the nurturing no bullshit mentor I think we all wish we had. (laughs) You can find quotes from Pam and all the links we mentioned in the episode on the podcast section of our website. 
Now, since this is the first episode, I wanted to take a second to explain what you can expect from the We Are Next podcast. New episodes will be released on Tuesdays, and these are interviews with people from all over the industry with questions and topics really specific to those just starting out. On some Fridays, I'll release short mini-sodes that expand on a certain topic or answers a question from a subscriber. Speaking of which, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or any other podcast platform you use. If you liked what you heard, leave us some love in a review on iTunes. We're just starting out, so it'll really help more students and junior talent discover us and benefit from us, which is always the goal. You can also subscribe to our weekly email, A Dose of Advice from the Industry, delivered Mondays. Each email includes subscriber-only content, such as curated job leads and special tools and worksheets. Thank you guys so much for listening. We did it. (laughs) I'm Natalie, and until next time, you got this.